Hello and welcome to the third episode of A Scoop of Vanilla. I am here today with Anna. Anna, how are you doing? I'm good, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've actually never met Anna in person, so I love this. I feel like it's a new world of meeting people online in not weird ways, and I'm just so excited to be uh, you know, in contact with her and talking about her firm. So tell me about your work. Um, you focus on generational wealth. Um, so tell me how you got into that. Yeah. So, um, I started off, I'm sure similarly to you, Lindsay, right. I was working in traditional wealth management industry for a long time and I decided, and that was really coincidental. Like I really fell into it. I grew up very middle-class, like my parents are immigrants. Nobody in my family had money. Right. Um, like we were good if we were able to make the bills every month. Right. And so I had no concept of this space, right. Like financial planning and sort of multi-generational multi-decade planning. Like that just wasn't in my radar at all. And so I sort of fell into the industry. Um, but I spent eight years doing that, right. Um, you know, working in planning and really being a junior advisor, on a pretty large team that worked with really like ultra high net worth folks, right? Um, So $5 million plus. And I decided to leave really because I felt like those were not the people that really needed my advice, right? Mm -hmm. Those weren't the people that really were going to benefit from the knowledge that I was getting. And so I left um, in 2019 and founded Dare to Dream Planning, which, you know, we're a virtual um, fee-only advisory business that is focused on working with female entrepreneurs, right? And so Mm -hmm. we really help them um, structure their business and personal finances to, you know, have that financial freedom for themselves. And it's usually for their kids and um, their, their greater community as well. So that's, that's a little bit about me. I love it. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording, Anna and I were talking just because the industry kind of seems to, um, when there's only a few female CFPs, they kind of push us into competition. And we have similar businesses, Anna and I, even though we work with slightly different clientele, but I don't see her as competition, not because she isn't great, but because I am absolutely happy if someone isn't working with me for them to work with Anna. I just want them to work with someone who supports them and someone who Mm -hmm. is compassionate and understands where they're coming from. And so many times when you go into offices um, of a wealth manager and ones that I used to work at, you don't feel comfortable. You feel like you're playing a role. You feel like they're talking down to you and not using terminology to understand, which mm-hmm. is kind of just bullshit. Like there's no reason why yeah. we can't meet our clients where they're at and use language that, that works for them, especially if they don't have those, you know, decades before them of generational wealth that's like shaping their financial future. Totally. And I will say, you know, that's something that I'm super mindful of. You know, I was for years, the only woman of color, only, especially on the younger side, uh, only black person in my entire office for many years. Right. Which is ridiculous because it wasn't a small firm. And, you know, I, I thought I felt very uncomfortable, but I can only imagine 
what it's like to be a prospective client and walk into that environment, right? Like, especially if you are on the younger side or you don't come from money or, you know, you come from some of these other marginalized groups, right? Whether that be LGBTQ or professionally, like you're working in a non-traditional profession. And so you walk into this environment and it has to be really overwhelming and intimidating. And then you meet with somebody who completely doesn't understand you on many levels. And then it's just spewing jargon at you. And it's really, um, I can imagine uncomfortable position. And my biggest thing is to make the advice and the information that we have accessible and relatable and actionable for people, even if they don't work with me. Right. Cause like you and I have only so much capacity and there are only so many folks here, um, yeah. that, that are working as advisors. And so if you have some information that you can act on in your own that you understand and is easy to actually take, take steps towards, like that's a win in my book. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think too, like a lot of times people just don't feel not even like comfortable, but like safe in an office. Like I remember mm-hmm. thinking as a, uh, when I was single going in and like trying to buy a car, um, with a car salesman, he was like very aggro and then like, mm-hmm. like wanting to drive the car and being in a car by myself with this like very aggressive man and just being like, I don't feel safe in this scenario. And a lot of times you get the same energy from advisors. And so even, I mean, I actually think that the push of going remotely is really nice because you can and you can try out different advisory relationships or relationships mm-hmm. with professionals without actually putting yourself physically in the room. Um, but then I think it's also easier to be like, no, this person isn't making me feel uncomfortable. They aren't listening when I'm talking. They're talking over me. And I want someone who's, you know, making me feel heard and making me feel secure in this interaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so important. I always say like, that's one of the that human element and that comfort is really the thing that we don't talk about enough in our industry in that that's really where we're able to provide a lot of value. And there's a lot of ways to convey that, right? Um, but it's it's just so pivotal to having a really healthy and productive advisor-client relationship overall. Yeah, yeah. Well, and kind of just getting back to the you know, not having, not having it modeled for you previously. I know a lot of the clients I've worked with before, they're a little tentative of like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know the questions to ask. And that's where I jump in and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you don't, you don't have to know how it goes. My job is to guide you through this and to not make you feel stupid when you don't know what you're talking about, when you don't know the questions to ask and you, you know, don't know where you want to go with the advisory relationship. And a lot of times when you meet with advisors, they're like, okay, you've been doing this absolutely wrong. You need to do it this way. We're selling out of everything you have, you know, you've, you've been an idiot, but we're going to get you on track. And um, one of the reasons why I started my own business is to be able to have so much more empathy in the interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me about, um, kind of how you chose the focus with the individuals that you work with um because we're all the industry is all kind of going to towards niches right so we're trying to focus down on specifics um and I know we we talked a little bit about you know feeling like the ultra wealthy don't necessarily need more help there's already people working there but um what do you look for when you when you want to work with clients who's that perfect individual for you Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a discovery process for me, right? I left knowing I wanted to help people that were, you know, not 
maybe doing well professionally, but didn't really have a concrete financial strategy. Right. And so at the, at the outset, that just looked like, you know, traditionally employed folks that had a good job and maybe dual income and they just, you know, needed to figure out how to save for college and retirement and those kind of things. Um, over time though, I discovered that I really enjoyed working with entrepreneurs, right? I like the, the thing that I like a lot about our industry is really twofold. One is just the human interaction. Like I'm really extroverted. I like talking to people. I like understanding people and hearing their stories and that stuff. Right. And then the other thing is I really like problem solving. Right. I really like trying to figure out how to put all these pieces of the, these folks like financial life and personal life together to make a cohesive financial plan for them. Right. Yeah. And the challenging, the more challenging that is, the, the more exciting it is for me and the more dynamic that is, the more exciting it is for me. And so what I found was the people that, um, really fit that, that prototype, that, that mold were entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. And I personally also, you know, I really felt like as a, as a, young mom, right? Well, I'm not that young, but as a, as a mom, as a woman of color, as a younger person compared to the rest of our industry, it was really hard for me to, and as someone who doesn't come from wealth, it was really hard for me to make, make my way up the ladder in corporate America, right. In, in a way that financially made sense. And I found myself like vastly out earning my corporate salary. And I wasn't someone who like never negotiated salaries. I negotiated hard, but like, even Mm -hmm. still, once I started a business, I saw just how freeing it was. And I really wanted that for, and for entrepreneurship to be a viable path for so many more women, because I think it, it really can free us so much from the shackles of like corporate America and all their BS and <laughs> all of the, the, the hoops we have to jump through, like emotionally, physically, mentally, like all of it. And so I wanted to really just serve as a resource for people that are willing to leave and be entrepreneurial and to have that really comprehensive, accessible advice for people that aren't wealthy yet, right? Like you might even be earning well. Most of my clients do have really healthy incomes, but they don't have the portfolios that would warrant our industry usually paying attention to them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you said a few different interesting things there, but just kind of to comment on the the last thing, I do think that that's an issue that I ran into at previous firms. So there's a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to you have to have this size of portfolio. And it really does mean unless you've inherited wealth as a 20 or 30 something, you're not going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in a lot of firms, it's like, you need to have at least a million and then you have like a million and you're still the, the lowest of the low client in their portfolio. And so it's like, oh, they have a, you know, they have a million, but that's not that much. Um, and so it really keeps, unless you're getting that income from another source, it really keeps those individuals from getting help. Um, and that does end up being racist. That does end up being sexist. And we see that a lot of times. Um, yeah, so it's totally. it's interesting, but I love that you're talking about entrepreneurship being freeing because um, I found that for myself, I didn't realize how much energy I was putting into keeping the status quo. And, mm-hmm. and like, I love working with other people and I love coworkers, and I love bosses, but the, the interaction and trying to keep the peace and, and um, you know, stay humble and not threaten other people and 
all of those interactions take so much of your energy. And I've realized working for myself that in my day, like, except for with my family, with my husband, um, I'm not putting energy into like making sure all of these 10 people on my team are mentally sound and feeling heard and that I asked them about you know their cousin's wedding and all of this stuff and it's um that seems silly but it's freed up so much time for me to like just to be honest like to make money which is yeah. why I'm working <laughs> um, yeah. to make money and like accomplish my goals and I think that um I just had an interview with investment news um last week and um the guy I was talking to was um a gentleman in his I want to say he's in his sixties. And he was like, how are you doing all of this? Like he has a son that's my age. So he was genuinely shocked. Like, how are you doing all of this? And I wanted to say, I didn't say, cause it was an interview, but I guess I'm going to say now, like, well, cause I'm not having people telling me that I can't do it. Like, yeah. I don't have a boss. That's like, just so you know, you need to stay in your place. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of women are feeling that and realizing like, oh, I don't have to, it's not always men, but I don't have to like cater to the men above me and make sure that, you know, I'm not hurting their feelings by like shining too bright. And so mm-hmm. uh, the majority of my clients have, have faced that and are like, you know, hell, I can work on my own and kill it and do whatever I want to and make a lot of money and be very profitable. Totally. And I think, I think the, the biggest freeing thing for me and what I kept thinking about is just like, there's so much mental space and unpaid labor that we ungo, under undertake as women, right? Yeah. Um, like, oh, I'm organizing the um, the lunch for like the wholesaler meeting at the office, right? Yeah. I am making sure to send uh, my boss a happy birthday text, or I'm making sure that I'm not you know, I'm not being too loud, like really managing yourself and making yourself small in order to fit into that environment. And I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing, once again, like going back to being a woman of color is like, you know, that's, that's, that's compounded and it's that much more pronounced. And so when you're able to leave and like, leave and it's really simple like leave your hair the way you want to and not have it be a weird thing or like you know um dress in a way that's not quote unquote professional even though you're still put together and you're still taking care of your appearance right like you're not coming to work in your pajamas but even still like all of those things take up so much time and it can be used to like just exist or go out and kill it as you said right like there's no reason that uh we have to spend our time worrying about like what bob's gonna think about my skirt and Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) yeah like i don't i don't want to do that (laughs) a scoop of vanilla is brought to you by stripper financial planning stripper financial planning is a fee only independent ria that caters to the unique financial needs of adult entertainers. Our clientele tend to be self-employed and work online as content creators or in person as actresses, dancers, and escorts. Stripper Financial Planning offers advice-only comprehensive financial planning, meaning that we'll periodically go through each aspect of your finances, including investments, but we only make recommendations rather than managing our clients' investments for them. We meet with clients on a monthly basis and charge a flat rate of $350 a month with no account minimums. To learn more about Stripper Financial Planning, you can visit our website at www.stripperfinancialplanning.com. Yeah, well, and I also think there's the freedom, like you said, like sometimes 
sometimes I am just in the zone and I'll have a week or two where I'm just like working all the time and I'm killing in, I'm in flow and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm getting stuff done. And then I'll be like, you know, something will happen personally or in life, you know, something related to a pandemic or the world ending. And I'll be like, Hey, this isn't that important. I need to take a step back. And I don't have that constant, you know, overwhelming need to make sure that I am, I am showing up consistently for my boss. And that's honestly Mm -hmm. like, that's in a lot of cases, not how life works. Like we ebb and flow and, and we work harder sometimes to make up for the times where we feel sick or we have COVID or, you know, if you have a disability, um, being able to balance. And, um, I actually have a a chronic spine disorder. And so it was really hard for me working in an office because, um, some days I was just in so much pain that like, I wasn't able to perform my best and I made up for it Mm -hmm. at other times. And I knew that, but in terms of someone else looking at me, it was like, you aren't reliable. Like what mm-hmm. do clients think about this? Like you're perceived as weak. And so, um, yeah, I love that my clients have the freedom to make money on their own terms. Um, and I think that that's totally. something that is really empowering. And a lot of times, you know, if you talk to people in the traditional corporate world, that's too threatening for them to handle. They're like, you need to know your place. And, um, this is too much money for you to earn, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that's something that I feel like, um, is, is, was really eye-opening, right? Like that too much money, um, concept and there's new levels as you continue to hit them right like you continue to say this is too much money for me to have or this is I can't believe like I'm making this much money and I see my clients doing that they're like can you believe I made this much money and I'm like hell yeah girl I can believe it (laughs) like good for you (laughs) yeah we've been putting in work for you to make that much money like I know you are exactly exactly um and it's just it's really freeing and I think for women to take that ownership of, of their income and their finances and their life candidly, right. To be able to say, yeah, I'm going to work two weeks and then I'm going to take two weeks off and then I'm going to work another two weeks and I'm going to kill it. Like, and I'm going to be able to schedule my life and my workflow, uh, around whatever it is that I need to, and still be able to hit your financial goals. Like what's more freeing than that? Yeah. Yeah. How do you, um, I'm sure this comes up a lot with your clients. Um, how do you handle the, the conversations around guilt that comes from, you know, maybe my parents didn't make that much money or, mm-hmm. um, I grew up struggling and now, now I, I have the luxury of spending money on myself and the luxury of spending money on others in my life. And I, I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. So I think it, it is, really huge. I think, you know, when you're the one that makes it, that can be a really hard adjustment. And I always like to tell them like, you know, if, if it's a question of spending money on yourself and like luxury, I always tell them like, obviously we're prioritizing your financial health, your long-term financial health. And so we're doing that first. And so if there's excess, which there should be, right? Like we're not trying to save everything. Since there's excess, you should feel absolutely free to be able to do that, right? Because we're prioritizing your long-term financial health. If it's the kind of thing of like, oh, I have to help all these family members and they're not doing well, right? Like I had a conversation with a client this morning and she's super stressed. She earns great, but she 
she has a lot of, you know, family financial support needs and she feels guilty even pulling back from those. Right. Um, and, and putting sort of boundaries around that. And it's, it's really hard, but I think just opening up the space as their advisor to talk them through like one, that this doesn't have to be permanent, a permanent situation. And you know, that you are obviously doing okay. I think that's really my first, my first approach with it, because I think so often there's just shame and guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. and once you tell people like, it's not bad or it's okay, then a lot of that kind of dissipates and like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, I pretty consistently find with my clientele too, is that, you know, there's, they grew up with a scarcity mindset. There's not going to be enough. So a lot of times when they get money, they're like, I need to spend it because it's not, I'm never going to have this chance again. And so changing their mindset and also changing their, their practices and their lifestyle to support this, but changing the mindset to a mindset of abundance where you are going to continue to make money because we're putting, we're putting the structure in place for that. You're going to be able to continue to provide for your family if you want to. And it's, you don't, you don't have to just push it all out because it's, it's going to continue to come back to you because you're putting in the effort and you're growing and you're learning and you're making this a sustainable lifestyle for you long-term. Totally. Totally. I think, um, that feeling of it's fleeting is, is, is really hard, right? It's really hard to overcome. Like, am I going to be able to do that again? But the reality is, and I always tell my clients is like, all right, you did that. Like you did that. So let's pause and, and congratulate you for doing that and applaud yourself, but then also realize that you have done that. And so you know how to do that. And so if it goes, if like your whole business implodes next year, right. Yeah or you just say, I don't want to do this anymore. You can go do something else and you have the experience to make it a little bit easier and the learning curve a little bit less steep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, you mentioned that you have a workshop coming up. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I get this question a lot, right? I think so many people come to me and it's really well-intentioned with, um, they're worried about providing for their kids. Right. Or like they've heard, yeah, as a business owner, like hire your kids or start these accounts, like start a Roth IRA for them and do all this stuff. And I get so many questions around those things. And so I'm like, listen, I should just do a workshop on how to do this in a way that's sustainable and is not going to like, um, shortchange your own financial health, right? Because that's yeah. always my biggest concern, right? Like, I, all right, I want you to handle them kids, take care of those kids. I'm as as focused on that as anybody else because I just don't want my kids to have to struggle the way I did, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, before anything else, I made sure that I was good, right? And like my finances were set. And so we're going to talk about all of that um, and how to do it in a sustainable way that doesn't feel like you have to pinch all the pennies and like you have to be... Um, really like super regimented and track Excel spreadsheets and all this stuff. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. be talking about that. Um, that's going to be in January, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'll be promoting that in socials um, to coincide with all of the new uh, New Year's resolutions and things that people have, right? Like get them, get them setting things up well while, while they're motivated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to share some of that on my socials as well. So people have the opportunity to jump in on that if they're interested. Um, kind of switch topics. Tell me, so we both came from the traditional finance world, kind of built ourselves up, didn't love the experience and then started our own firms. But a lot of times for a variety of reasons, people don't have the opportunity to do that. And there's, um, for me, there was constant conversations of like, well, if you want your opinion to matter, then, you know, put your name on the building. And so I was like, well, fuck, I'm just going to make it happen. Um, yes. Not everyone can, right? Like, it's not just uh, you aren't trying hard enough. Um, you know, you don't want it enough and other people are brave enough. Like sometimes you have little kids, sometimes you mm-hmm. can't, um, you can't afford to start your own thing and not have income for a little while. So tell me, um, for the advisors out there who, um, are women, who are people of color, who are, um, minorities for a variety of reasons, how do we continue to succeed in this industry and find our place in stay firm in that when there's a lot of forces that are against us. Oh, that's hard. Um, because I, <laughs> I really, it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just feel like this industry is really soul crushing. If you are not like a straight white man, Absolutely. um, yeah. it, it really is. And so that's really, really hard. I would say if you're at, um, a like wirehouse or like some of the bigger firms, like really realize that like you should know that there are other places to go. I think I really didn't see that as much. And, um, you know, the internet and I think COVID has democratized and like made this all look a little bit outside of our immediate circles um, and our immediate areas. But there is so much opportunity out there. And there's so many people like you and I that are starting firms, even have bigger firms that have a much more um, open and welcoming environment for people to, um, you know, practice and serve the people that they want to and do so in a way that feels like in alignment and also just bring their whole selves to work. Right. Um, and not having to make ourselves small, I would say that would be my biggest advice. And then for the ones that are not the, the marginalized folks, I was just say, stop like assuming things about people. (laughs) Like, please, God, stop assuming that everybody goes golf on the weekends. Like I've, I know, please just don't do it. Um, it's, it's really not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that there's a variety of clients too. Like I've realized I've been working Mm -hmm. with, um, um, my past firm, but then uh, some freelancing on the side, I've been working with a lot of people in tech and, um, the variety of people in tech that are making a lot of money that have a lot of money in stock options and have significant portfolios, but who are not comfortable with the traditional wealth industry and being boxed in. And like, they want you to use their pronouns and they don't want you to be super shitty to them, which is, isn't weird. Um, there's, there's so many people coming from different perspectives. And so I don't think it's, you know, it's not just go to the country clubs and go golfing and, you know, have your man drinks and, um, be super tough and weird. Like, I, I think that people, people want to work with people that are like them and have different Mm -hmm. interests. And I think that there's a value in sharing that. And I realized that, you know, when you're at a firm, you have to understand it is a game, like you're playing a game, right. And you're playing to Mm -hmm. win. But a lot mm-hmm. of times the, the rules aren't fair. And so you realize yeah. like I'm playing this game and I'm working really hard and knowing my place. And 
um, you know, I'm putting my head down. People are always like, put your head down and, and uh, put in your time. And I guess for all of the people who are hearing that, like putting in your time doesn't mean being okay with discrimination. It doesn't mean yeah. letting your boss sexually harass you. It doesn't mean being cool with racial slurs because that's definitely happening out there. Yeah. Um, and it's not okay. And there's firms, you know, there's firms like yours, Anna, where someone yeah. could come work with you and you're not going to be a piece of shit to them, which is great. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> absolutely. Like, let's, let's lift up firms like yours that are doing it right, that are treating people well. And, um, you know, I, w- I want all of those to succeed and I want all of the mean people to fail. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like down with the finance bros. I am so over them. <laughs> like, I'm so over them. If I hear one more story about how someone yeah refused to use their pronouns or like, you know, was talking to a lesbian couple and like, keep saying your husband, like they're, they, don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> don't be like yeah. that. And for the <laughs> clients that are dealing with that, like there are people that you can put your money where your mouth is. Like you don't have to deal with that. You can work yeah. with people that are respecting you and understand your journey and aren't just like respecting you and like, okay with it, but who actually like understand and can ask applicable questions and have empathy. So I agree. Awesome. There are better options. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tell me where people can find you on the socials. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah. So I hang out mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Um, the handles are the same as at a N J I E K O N T E. Uh, and I also have a newsletter. So my website is dare to dream planning.com and you can sign up for the newsletter and get my little tidbits in the, in the, um, in your inbox. Awesome. Way cool. Well, before we go, a very important final question. What is your favorite type of ice cream? Oh, that's a hard one. So I'd say two. Um, okay. I really love butter pecan. That's a big favorite of mine. And I also love mango sorbet. Like mangoes mm. make me really happy. Oh, yummy. Okay. That's a good idea. Well, I'm going to have to try that one next. Okay. Well, Anna, it was so great to talk to you today. Thank you for being on my show. And I'm sure we'll have you back another time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.